Clear. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really noise. good background noise yeah right. this is this is the best seat in the house that's right we got sky riders now we got sky riders, we got sky riders now. now does that say you cap i can't it's got a runway in the front yard <laughs> and you're in sight clear left turkey national ground good afternoon sir taxi via foxtrot and alpha Oh, you mean I should be, we're starting. Yeah. We're we recording already? Yeah, sure. You mean no warm-up chat? Oh, this is the warm-up This chat. is how we do it all the time. Anybody who listens on a regular basis, right? But is there a list? You know, we're just chatting for a while, and then suddenly they say, wait a minute, have we started? And I say, yeah, we started. It's okay. Are we being bombed? We are being bombed. We're being bombed. And we haven't said yeah. anything yet. No, I wanted to sneak up on them. <laughs> I wanted it to be a surprise like it was for me yesterday. Oh, it's the recyclers. That's probably too much gain. All right, wait. How's my hair? <laughs> Unfortunately, about like mine. Yeah, well. <laughs> the worst news is that we haven't seen a list. No list. No list. No, no list. list. No list. We're working no with a net here. No list. It's sort of like a glider aircraft uh, <laughs> podcast, right? It's a, a anyways, glider podcast. Welcome, folks, to uh, episode 246 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're calling this one the. Well, that just never gets old. I'll tell you. This is the listless edition. This is the list. This is this is what we're calling the uncontrolled air. air uh, airspace stage show easy right? for you to <laughs> say <laughs> and review yeah and review right which means later jeb will be dancing because he's the one with the legs where's my makeup yeah i know <laughs> So we're going to chat. We're going to do what we do. Those of you who listen to the podcast know that we get together about roughly once a week and uh, and talk about airplanes and flying and things that uh, and and weather and beer and uh, and other things and air venture uh, and air venture. And we're just going to do that for the next uh, 45, 60 minutes or so. Um, the big difference this time is that in addition to us talking about airplanes and flying. We're going to talk to you guys about airplanes and flying as well. So we welcome your interaction. We welcome your questions. And uh, to date myself, uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to kind of start doing the Phil Donahue thing here. So I'm going to kind of come down among you guys, and, and, uh, and then we will gang up on them. All right. But first, let me introduce them to you, for those of you who have never met them in person. Uh, immediately to my left is Amy Laboda, who's one of the regulars on the podcast. <laughs> Amy, tell us quickly, what, what is your, your day job? Uh, my day job is as the editor-in-chief of Aviation for Women magazine. That's the official publication of Women in Aviation International. And next to Amy is the infamous Dave Higdon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be here all week, literally. David, tell us the day job and, uh, and also tell us a little bit about the, the, the this week job. This week the job is... Managing editor of Air Venture Today, the show daily newspaper, uh, which means on Monday I'll be unemployed. Air Venture Today, for those of you who are not familiar, is the free uh, daily show newspaper that EA puts out during the uh, the uh, fly-in, and uh, Dave is responsible for basically spell checking every single one of those stories. And I read most of them. I spell check them. I get to assign some of them, which is a rare instance of me being boss. 
Yeah. Okay, so just so you know, when you see it, remember he's in charge. In an even rarer instance of my having to listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, all kidding aside, Dave makes a, a tremendous effort and contribution throughout the week to help kind of define the the, uh, the coverage and the stories and the tone and the voice and, and the pictures. And uh, he's one of the group of people that make that a great publication. Um, to his left is uh, Jeb Burnside, who used to be the managing editor of AirVenture Today, but he came to his senses. And uh, <laughs> tell us about your day job. My day job here is uh, a contributing editor or whatever, if, if, even if there's a title attached to it, I'm not sure. My beat is the uh, policy beat, the government relations side of the house. Air Venture, because so many uh, people come from various organizations, uh, various agencies in the federal government to uh, be here during the week, is a great opportunity uh, for everybody to get together and sit down and talk about some of the pending issues in Washington and, and elsewhere. And uh, a lot of things get accomplished, and that's, as I say, my beat here this week. And the day-day job? Day-day job. Uh, Editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety magazine. That's right, as well as a freelance aviation journalist. I've heard of that. So if you, if you are the publisher of an aviation journal, talk to Jeff. Talk, talk to me, talk or to Amy. Dave, yeah. talk to Amy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. We, we, um, we do all freelance, sadly. <laughs> And the empty chair uh, is because James Winbrandt is going to join us. Uh, he's actually out working on an assignment for the newspaper right now. and We, uh, we gave him an assignment. Had to be off uh, completing an interview. And he's going to try and uh, uh, he's going to be here as soon as he is able. And he will be joining us on the fly. We'll, we'll say hi to him when he arrives. So what I ask these guys to do in lieu of one of our infamous lists is to think about some of the things that our panel up here are finding to be interesting about this week and so I'm just going to kind of go down the panel real quickly and uh, ask them what they think are the interesting stories or the important stories or the funky stories or the whatever and and Amy you're right next to me so you get to go first. Ladies first, ladies uh, first. I wasn't going to say that, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, I have to say that the most mind-bending uh, technology that I've seen here on the field, and I've had a really good time looking at some new and exciting stuff for our RV-10, since my husband couldn't uh, manage to get here this year. He gave me a, a shopping list about as long as my arm, which, yeah, you know, I'm not real tall, but long enough, right? You could, you could put some damage on the credit card. Uh, was the new connected panel concept from Aspen Avionics. Aspen Avionics has come up with uh, another game changer, which is the ability to connect your iPhone or your iPad or your other mobile device that we're using that have the apps with the flight planning and all the cool stuff like that into your panel. So that instead of having to put that flight plan that you did down here into that box, no, 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 you just fire everything up, hit the app, and it's married, and it's there, magic, hit the connect button, and, and your flight plan's in. You can oh, even okay. program your radios from your iPad in flight. For, for that Chain, day when you make just a, make quite reach change. that far... Yeah. Well, no, but, but, but here's the thing. Let's just say you've got the rubber band ability to rubber band around. It's my turn. <laughs> to rubber band around the weather that you see. 
that you've got XM and you're by rubber banding you mean um, drawing a flight plan on a map. My line was straight, but there's a big blob right there. So now I push, touch, pull, and now I've got a new waypoint over here. But I no longer have to now add that information into my waypoint, my GPS, and my FMS, so it comes up on my screen that I'm actually flying with my autopilot. I don't have to reprogram my autopilot anymore. I've just eliminated several steps, housekeeping but very serious steps, and repetitive steps from my process. Now I have to look up and see that it's been done and watch that things shift, that the autopilot makes a turn and we keep on going. I, I, I like that idea. I, I like that idea. And I like that it's open architecture, uh -huh. um, which means um, change is welcome. So that's so, what I think is so, so cool it, what this does is delegate some portion of the flight management process to your mobile device. Yes. So there's a Skynet story in there someplace, is what Somewhere you're saying. Somewhere in there. Somewhere. See, in Jeb's there. going, yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't don't let your Roomba vacuum your hangar, are you? Just <laughs> <laughs> David, what's going on here this week? Well, following Amy's lead, one of the neater things uh, on my radar screen this week was from Avidyne. And it's a plug-and-play replacement for those Garmin 530s that has all the... It's got the WASP GPS. It's got radar and weather inputs, terrain warning inputs, collision avoidance inputs. It's VHF NAV, VHF COM, and touchscreen flight management entry so that you can put stuff in by touching the screen and telling it to go there. It does the geofill for you. So that if you're doing a flight plan and you type numbers into the uh, pseudo alphanumeric, it will not say, oh, you want to go to that waypoint 8,000 miles away because that's the next one in alphabetical order. It will go, oh, you want to go to this one down here and say, you go, yes, and off you go. And that will be cross-functional with the connected pilot system. Yes, from Aspen that's, that's exactly true. So they're talking to a bunch of different people. Honeywell with the um, new autopilot, is yep. that right? Honeywell's new autopilot, Sporty's pilot shop with some of its tools. Uh, I think they're just at the cutting edge of who's going to want to play with the connected pilot system. But what excites me is seeing Avidyne finally in the avionics game at a full level. Navcom... GPS, transponder, audio panel, as well as the great primary flight systems they've got. And the, the new box has all the features of the multifunction display aspect of the Avidyne Release 9 Integra system, which I've got just enough time in to usually need a bib when I talk about it. Yeah, I, uh, I like that box too. Um, Specifically because it's basically pull out the 530 and slide in the new box. It's plug compatible in the back and doesn't need a new tray. Um, and for you know, all, you know, we're looking at the the 435 series, 435 30 series, it's starting to get a little long in the tooth. Uh, they're clearly uh, uh, products that replace them. It was cutting edge when it was new. Sure. And Right. But that was almost a decade ago. It was longer than a decade. It was almost fif it's 15 years ago. 430 first came out. So, but and yet, uh, and yet I don't have one. These are but the the big story here this week so far. Well, wait before I get to you. Before I get to you, 
So in a minute, I'm going to invite you folks to tell us what you think is the most notable and interesting thing that has happened here this week. And I know nobody wants to be first, so I'm going to tell you right now there'll be a swell prize for, for the first person to raise their hand with something they want to throw into the conversation. It'll be free subscriptions to the Uncontrolled Aerospace Podcast. And yeah, second really. prize is two yeah. free subscriptions to the Uncontrolled Aerospace Podcast. David, this device that you were talking about, this is a, a, a GPS device? It's everything. Yeah. GPS, VHF nav, VHF com, localizer, glide yeah. slope, uh, and a flight management system built in with a touch screen interface. Let me throw this out. GPS is aging technology. It's nearing the end of its life. Something else is going to come along and replace GPS real soon. Light squared. I don't know. I mean, no, Light Square is not going to replace it, but maybe the fact that Light Square is getting any hearing at all is an indication of the fact that GPS is nearing the end of its life, just like Loran did 10, 15 years ago. Um, I think it's a little early to, to um, be planning a funeral for GPS. Um, at this stage, you, you just literally millions, if not billions, of devices around the world um, use it, use it well. Um, it's uh, uh, about as ubiquitous as ubiquitous can be. But, but not all of them use exclusively GPS. A lot of these devices have location-sensitive using GPS and other systems as well. I the suggest other, that that's the way of the future. The, the only other system in widespread use for the average mobile device is triangulation via cell phone towers. Cell phone towers and Wi-Fi hotspots, yes. And Wi-Fi hotspots. Yeah. Um, but, but Wi-Fi hotspots is not going to work in the air. Last time I right. checked, I couldn't get on my Wi-Fi uh, at 10.5. Um, I can't get. Um, I can't use my cell phone. But when Light Squared takes over, and their strong signal, you know, is 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 finally uh, uh, put in place, it'll reach up to 180. Yeah, okay. we will be able to navigate from point A to point A point one. At altitudes as high as 15 feet. <laughs> Jeb. Okay, Jeb, go. What's, but, your, what's but, your interesting um, thing? To answer your question, though, um, there are other systems out there under development or, or on the verge of being deployed. Um, uh, Russia has one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the European Union had another one. But uh, um, to answer your question, uh, so far this week, the biggest story has is uh, Tom Pabrezny's retirement. Um, it's the first time in the history of this organization that a Poberesny will not be in charge of uh, some major aspect of it. Um, and that's certainly a, a natural thing, but it's also going to be a challenge for everybody on the staff level, everybody who, who uh, replaces him, Rod Hightower, and, and if, if someone else is anointed or appointed uh, uh, Air Venture Chairman. Um, it's, it's quite a significant milestone for the organization, and uh, it will, in the future, uh, have an impact. I don't know what that impact will be. I don't know if it will be good or bad, but it will have an impact. Okay. So, what do you guys think? First of all, who else here is wearing wet socks? I was, yeah. It's been beautiful all week long. Was, a lot of you have been here all week or been here for a few days, um, and it's been really beautiful. Uh, but today, not so much. Although it's getting brighter out, the forecast is that, uh, is that this, this event will cause the sun to come out, and uh, we're going to do our thing. Um, how many here have bought something while you were here? All right, well, that's not a way to narrow it down. All right. How many bought something that cost more than $500? 
Ah, there we go. Okay. Excuse me. Tell us your name and where you're from. Uh, my name is Bas Sheffers. I'm from uh, Adelaide, Australia, and also a contributor on the, the uh, Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Okay, you got the plug in now. Okay. <laughs> now, what did, what did you buy? I bought a uh, Clarity Aloft headset. Ah, okay. You like those. What, have, you, have you flown with them before? No, I haven't. I've, I've used a lot of the Canal phones, like the, the Sure ones, when I'm traveling on airliners. Uh, so I'm happy for it at the sit in my ear. I tried them. They were nice. I'm actually going to uh, do a flight in the Remos tomorrow, so I'll take the Clarities along. And uh, if I don't like them, they've got a 30-day uh, <laughs> return policy. So, But only in the U.S. You know. well, I'll still be in the U.S. on Thursday. Uh, okay, all right. Um, anything else you bought while you were here? Uh, a kid's headset for, uh, my, uh, for my kids, because I only took them flying for the first time a couple of weeks ago. So. Do you do a lot of flying with your kids? Uh, I hope to. Okay. I, I'm not sure what that means. You just, they, they're too young to fly now? or uh, They're coming up about four now, so I've, I've taken up for the first time, and they seem to enjoy it, so hopefully I'll, uh, I'll get them along uh, more often. What headsets do you guys use? I have a Bose and a uh, Lightspeed Zulu and some other Lightspeeds. David, what do you use? You it? I'm using Sennheiser and converted to uh, David Clark's. Converted? Yeah, it was a kit available a few years ago where you plugged it in and made them active noise reduction systems from passive noise reduction systems. Uh, they were like 130 bucks a kit. Did it at home. And they still work. Something you can try at home. Yeah, right. Yeah, Amy. There you go. Okay, so you do understand. <laughs> we suffer from frugality in our household. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's why you own two airplanes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's a plague and it's a, it's, it's a blessing all at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, we have... Uh, in the RV10, which tends to be a little noisy because it it lacks some, it, it asks somewhat for interior. We have very comfortable seats, I'll tell you. Nice, you know, uh, leatherette interior. Cleans up real nice. But we've got some uh, ANRs that we bought from Aircraft Spruce and Specialty. They are an off-brand. I will leave it at that, but they are A&Rs, and they look a lot like some of the other brands out yeah. there. Um, and in the Kit Fox, I have the same headset that I purchased in 1987, a David Clark with a dynamic mic that yeah. won't die no matter what I do with it. Um, I had a little incident in salt water many, many years ah, yes. ago, and that headset was with me that day. And David Clark and said, no problem, send it back to us, <laughs> and we'll do a little refresh on it for 100 bucks, and it's brand new. What, what Amy's alluding to, if you're not familiar, is her ditching into the Gulf of Mexico <laughs> when... Uh, her but I, I have a set of David Clarks that are in my kit box that are, you know, good as new from the 1980s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still can, still ticking. That's all I have to say. Those can, are the Coast Guard-approved versions, yeah. of course. Yeah. Can Takes one, a lick and keeps on ticking. Can one even buy non-ANR headsets Absolutely. anymore? Yes, you can. Absolutely. Should you? Yes, you can. Well, it depends it, on what you fly. Yeah, that's right. Can you buy non... <laughs> 
One more time. It depends on what you fly. You're, you're, All of this is going to come up at the next board meeting. I know. Okay? I, know, you, you, I, know I know. Yeah. You're even easier in person. I know. You know really, that. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Tell us your name and where you're from. Sean Berry, and I fly out of Anoka, Minnesota. What have you? What's been interesting for you here? Did you buy something or see something? We've been squeezing in a little shopping between the forums, but the most interesting thing we found this week was the Avemco guys have been doing a bunch of research around uh, safety, and they basically, you know, the we went. It took us like six hours to get to the nut of it, but it was basically, if you don't know you're a jerk, you're going to be unsafe. But that was the most productive thing we got out of what we've seen so far. Avemco being the insurance folks, so I, I, rivet, I riveted something. <laughs> Who's, who else has done riveting or welding? Or Yeah, okay. What should you do, riveting or weld, welding? Well, uh, I'm an AMP, so I've done both. That's cheating. That's cheating. I'm going to come back to you in a second here. Um, if you don't know, you're a jerk. If you don't know, you're a jerk. Yeah, so what they basically said is it doesn't matter if you're a 50,000-hour pilot or a 100-hour pilot. If you don't know that you're unsafe, if you're not, like, if you... Like they said, uh, there's there's five risk factors for pilots, and they said, and the problem is you've got to have three of them to be able to afford to fly to begin with. But if you don't know that you're impulsive, if you don't know that you're anti-authority, if you don't know that you're you know a macho dude, you're going to get yourself into more trouble than if you're like just a little bit humble and be like, oh, well, if you know Lobota can put it down, you know, off of an island in Florida, then you know it can happen to me too. The, the uh Poker players have a saying when you sit down at a table with strangers and, and, and what you're supposed to do is spend the first, you know, X number amount of time looking around the table and figure out who, and if after, say, half an hour, you can't figure out who the sucker is, it's you, all right? If you're the jerk, you're probably not equipped to know that you're the jerk. How do you make this judgment? The big thing they're saying is that if there's somebody at your airport that scares you or that you're worried about or you think they're going to plan it, you got to go up to him and tell him. So do, do an airport intervention almost. Absolutely. And if there's nobody at your airport who scares you, then you're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Hidden River. <laughs> I'm not the problem. Gravity does have an irreparable way of fixing irresponsible and, and, yeah. and, and impulsive behavior. Uh, Jeb, you're the safety guy. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Um, we talked about this a little bit yesterday on a, on a different forum, but um, um, look at, look at the, looking at the totality of general aviation accidents, strip away Alaska, strip away uh, ACRO, strip away some flight training, strip away uh, uh, some other high-risk activities, and uh, you're basically left with... Um, a naked pilot. Well... <laughs> Which is not altogether an unpleasant uh, concept, depending on the pilot. Stop but that. <laughs> this is going to come up in the next board meeting also. And you're looking at him? Yeah. But you strip all that he stuff He was away. the one stripping everything, so... And you're left with Moving people, on, people who use airplanes uh, to go places. Uh, straight and level, one landing every couple of hours maybe, something like that. That type of operation is much, much, much safer. Perhaps, you know, not, not quite as safe as the airlines, but certainly approaching that level of safety. Um, we start talking about low-level maneuvering. We start talking about uh, other things, stupid pilot tricks, as they're sometimes called. And that's where the vast majority of accidents really come from. 
airplanes are not falling out of the sky for mechanical reasons. They're falling out of the sky because people run out of gas, because people um, pull the wings off, uh, other reasons related to the nut behind the wheel. So we were talking to you a minute ago. Do you have something else you wonder? What, have you bought anything? What'd you buy? Oh, I bought a lot of stuff, but I'm not going to put it on the radio for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know they the had shops like that here. We're not on the radio. This is just, just friends, you know? So. And, and I bet you open up the credit card statement first at home, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Who else bought something? Something more than $400. Oh, here we go. I wanted to come over here anyways. This is good, all right? A couple of, go- couple of good friends of the podcast. I'm going to say first hi to you. Tell us who you are, your name and where you're from. Uh, Richard Holcomb from uh, Florence, Oregon. You're from Florence, Oregon. Now, picture this. We're in Wisconsin. Oregon is like that way a ways. How did you get here? I, I fly a champ. This is my uh, fourth trip here in the champ. Uh, you know, you're all talking high-tech stuff and what's new and exciting. I bought for 20 bucks some new tips for my Clarity Aloft headset, and I love it. So to heck with all your high tech out there. Wait, wait a minute. New tips cost $400? No, no. No. <laughs> 20 bucks. <laughs> so, there's, so there's something new every year. There's new. It connects to this. It connects to that. And I can't figure out how to connect one to the next. I get completely lost. I don't believe in all this technology except for... GPS, which is magic, and it doesn't count as technology. Wait a second. Have you been talking to my husband? How did you get my home number? (laughs) So uh, on your trip out here, um, I had a question. Oh, uh, Clarity Aloft headsets in a champ. So the headsets are more valuable than the airplane. Now, maybe your headsets are. Now, aviation, you know, you can fly all across this country in a simple plane that's simply equipped and have a great time. You know, I take hops that are two hours long usually, and there's a card lock gas wherever I land, and you can go anywhere with a simple plane that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Yeah. Um, you were very generous in sharing throughout your trip across America some of your experiences on the Uncontrolled Airspace forums on our website. Um, one bit that caught my attention as you were, you were telling the story about what you had done that day and where you had been and what the flight had been like. And, and in a later post, one of the other uh, listeners um, suddenly posted a message that said, wait a minute, did you just say you were at 11,000 feet in the Champ? You really were flying at 11,000 feet in the Champ. Yeah, I've, well, I've got the Mighty 90. It's not one of the mere 65-horse champs. but You have a yeah. mixture control? It, what's that? You have a mixture control? Mixture. Yes, okay. Absolutely, yeah. Marvel Scheibler, <laughs> big deal. Um, but, yeah, it took me uh, 45, 50 minutes climbing out of American Falls, and I uh, got to 11,000 plus or minus a little bit, and I had about a 25-mile-an-hour tailwind, and I, next thing I know, I'm in Rock Springs. And... and uh, the density altitude when I landed was 9,900 and something. But, you know, the Champ is a great little plane. It's extremely versatile, very, very maneuverable, a whole lot of fun to fly. And if you've got the time, and granted, it takes a little longer, if you've got the time, it's a great way to get around. Welcome to Oshkosh. Tell, oh. Yes, welcome to Oshkosh. Magically, James appeared. Say hi to James Winbrand. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Great to be here. You weren't here. We were inviting everybody to tell us what their day jobs are. I don't know what you're... He's gainfully unemployed. Yeah. Right. You are one of the most diverse writers and authors that I've come across. You 
Yeah, okay. A lot of aviation stuff. You write about some other subjects, too. and uh... I, I do. I, I, uh, I've written books on a number of subjects from uh, medicine, uh, history, humor. Did I understand you correctly to say that you wrote the liner notes for the DVD for Doctor Who and Star Wars? or all the Rocky these, Horror Picture Show. All of the CBS Fox videos, uh, the liner notes to Doctor Who... Uh, to Rocky Horror. Also, if you're home alone, a, a lot of uh, back in, when they had videos, when you'd go to the video store, I was fortunate enough to get to do a lot of uh, those videos, which was great fun. You, what's the job? Watch the video. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it takes to, be a, to make a living as a writer. You've got to be very diverse and do all something. Uh, trick question we'd ask these other folks earlier. We're going to ask you now. What's something notable you've seen here? Something that's particularly interesting or crazy or wonderful or whatever? Well, as I hope you've briefed these fine folks, sometimes... People think we see everything. Sometimes we don't see anything because we're so busy going here and there. And a lot of what we do see is while we're on the way to here or there. So among the things, when I went to one of the places, the X2, I recommend you go by Sikorsky Innovations, talk to the folks there. You can meet the test pilot who two weeks ago broke the helicopter at world speed record. Now, this is one of the amazing things about Oshkosh. We walk in, we see the stuff on... ConocoPhillips Plaza, I remember the name correctly, it's Okay, and we think that's the whole story, but you walk into the exhibits, the booths, and there are world-class experts on every subject. There's test pilots, unbelievable. So that's one of the things, and then just seeing that Aerostar with the two jet engines slung under the wings was pretty incredible. Uh, the Pipistrel, I think, is an incredible machine. It made me want to learn a lot more about it. I'm not sure if you've seen that, the, the boom aircraft with the center boom having the engine and two kind of crew pods on either side. So that's just a thumbnail of some of the things I've seen and that I hope to get to see a little more of before I go home on Monday. That's the perfect husband and wife pilot airplane, I think, the Pippin Street. <laughs> Somebody else. Who, uh, so, uh, so Champ Guy came from Oregon. Anybody come from sort of a similar long distance away? Fly yourself here? What kind of airplane are you flying? I'm flying a Trinidad, a Socata, TV-20. What was the, where'd you come from? You told me this earlier, but I've forgotten now. Uh, actually, I came from uh, Watsonville, which is just past Palo Alto, New York. I know Watsonville, yeah. Great Mexican restaurant there, yeah. Fantastic Zunigas. Yeah. So, how was the flight? Is this the first time you've, how many times have you flown to Oshkosh before? This is my second time, and I brought my whole family, my two-year-old daughter, and my wife. And how'd that work out? It was a long trip. <laughs> no, it worked, it worked out fantastic. They, they were, and you're not home yet either. I'm not home yet. So I'm sorry, is your wife in the room? No, no, she's off at the museum uh, seeing uh, other people. So it's okay to tell us about this credit card. You, 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 didn't want to hear, you didn't want her to hear about what you've been buying. That's what he, yeah, that's what he was telling us earlier. So uh, you do a lot of flying in the, uh, in the airplane? Yeah, I've got about 1,000 hours as a flight instructor and as a mechanic. I, I buy a lot of tools, so I don't save any money with the maintenance, but I do it all myself, so I have to have all these tools. Well, yeah, ask Jeb. Yeah. How many screwdrivers do you own? I never have the right one when I need it. Oh, yeah, I know how it goes. I don't have fancy headsets, but I got some mung-a-mung-a-mung-a tools in the hangar. <laughs> 
Manga, manga, manga. Manga, manga, manga. That's the only way I can it's, it's describe a, them because I don't really understand why they do all those things You know, things one that more manga in there, and that's a teenage beach movie. And then there's movie. the Kromala, Bonla, Bala, whatever that is, ma- material that's so expensive that you have snap. to have. Just snap. snap on, got it. <laughs> I'm curious. Jack hasn't asked this yet. Anybody here is shopping for an airplane? Even if you don't mean to take it home here. Okay, one, two, three, four. Oh, yeah, it's all the people I've already spoken five, to. See, these are the folks five and a half. I see five. Do I hear six? Can I hear six? Six. I've got six. Could I hear seven? Wait a minute. All right. Can I give me seven? Airplane. Somebody give me seven. It's going to be seven. seven, 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 seven. I nope. hope we okay. don't get seven. feedback. So, I know this is going to be an experiment. We'll see what happens here. You're shopping for an airplane. Kind of, yes. Tell us your name and where you're from. Jim Offit from uh, Math Manassas, Virginia. Oh, Manassas. There you go. Huh? Used um, to be based so there. What sort of airplane are you looking for? Well, either uh, used uh, like an arrow or fixed wing or trying to decide whether or not putzing around the country in an LSA would be uh, more adventuresome or fit my needs. But I'm a big guy and I think I have a weight problem with LSAs. Is that the main criteria in deciding that you want like an archer or an LSA? Uh, yes, flying somebody else with me and being able to take a vacations or go visit friends or puts around the country. I love the champ idea. I hadn't even thought about it, but maybe that's the way to go. Yeah, you should talk to him. David, you flew an LSA across America. What was that like? David? Flew a skycatcher from San Diego to Tampa about a year and a half ago, and it was an interesting experience in load management because uh, you folks may not realize, but the uh, ASTM consensus standards enforce kind of a formula of how much payload you have to have with how much fuel and how much horsepower, and it's all tied together. Uh, skycatcher flies lovely, is a great trainer, but it is a little more payload challenged than some of the other contenders out there. But there are some contenders out there that will let you put 24, 26 gallons in, put 400 pounds in the cabin, and still carry 100 pounds of luggage. Oh, yeah. Look at the Kit Fox. That's one of them. And, and, and on top of that, they'll cruise at about 130 miles an hour or doing about four and a half gallons an hour. So... Amy, do you guys do a lot of long-distance flying in the Kit Fox? I know you no, love popping around the area. No, we don't, but that's because we have an RV-10 for that. <laughs> James? I mean, you go a lot faster. You know, the, yeah. the, and, and so you, you take the Kit Fox about 200 miles in a big, big circle because it makes a lot of sense. It's efficient at, at that rate. Um, I still get home, and typically I'm not struggling with weather issues. If I've got weather issues where I might need to be IFR or I am going a distance, 1,000, 1,200, I've taken the RV-10 to San Diego and back, makes a lot more sense to take the RV-10 to San Diego and back when you have to be somewhere on time. If I don't have to be somewhere, then the Kit Fox is a lot of fun. Um, is that but, a, but, but we that's really, the time, time time to spare go by air? Kind yeah, of yeah, thing? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Something like that. But we built the Kit Fox for kicking around. The same way we really have a minimal interior in the RV10 to maximize payload and minimize what uh, my husband likes to call dead weight headliners, 
you know, DVD players, fancy eyeball lights. We don't have any of that stuff. And in the Kit Fox, we really got boat cushions that are shaped properly and, you know, have a little give on the tush. And, um, but no, seriously. And you feel the wind and you hear the whistles and you know what those things mean and you can fly with the doors off. But it's designed to loiter, quite frankly. And And I do loiter. I even thermal in it. I, I do a little soaring in it mm-hmm. when the thermals are good. Yeah, I just throttle back. As James alluded to a little earlier, and as Champ Guy shows us, the journey is the reward. What's your hurry? That's exactly right. The journey is the reward, except I use the airplane for business, too. Okay. And when you say that, I got to make it pay. The RV-10 is all about making it pay and being efficient. They're both efficient, but they're efficient in their missions, and that's key. You got to know what your mission is. Mm-hmm. James, you do a lot of flying all over North America. Um, is the Mooney the right airplane for that? Uh, I think the Mooney is uh, an incredible airplane for that. I know a lot of people who have not been in them have issues about, oh, isn't it small? Well, it's not. You got a lot of leg room. Uh, if you're looking for an efficient machine, you really can't do much better than that either the normally aspirated or the turbocharged i i've had both i had a an e model 65 e model 200 horsepower fuel injected and uh i was able to get uh all across the country with that uh did great a little bit i would say the one disadvantage was it had uh 50 gallon fuel tanks and i found that a little limiting uh i have a, now a uh, a 252 which is turbocharged and when I bought it, the first thing I had done, uh, the engine had just been annualed, I had long-range tanks put in. So now it holds 106 gallons. And I have to tell you, if you fill that thing up with fuel and with me, you're kind of, yeah, you're kind of right there at the gross takeoff weight. So you don't have to put all that aboard. And I'm told by people who have flown with full fuel in that situation, and with other people that it actually will fly safely over gross. That's just what I've heard. I don't know myself. And uh, it, it's a great machine. I mean, it, you know, it, will have, it has about eight hours of endurance. So if you're looking around for a machine, that, first of all, if you are in the market for a used aircraft, there's never anybody will tell you there's never been a better market than there is now. There's just an incredible selection. So pick yourself up a Mooney. That's my advice for the efficient flyers. I have a question for Jeb, but first let me say that in a minute I'm going to do something that I may regret um, and that may come up at the next board meeting. Um, And that is, um, over five years I've asked these folks every question I can possibly think of. And so what I'd like to do is invite you guys to ask us some questions. So if if you've ever been sitting in your car or wherever with your iPod and hollering at your iPod saying, this is your chance, all right? Jeb, on the subject of airplanes, um, so you own a very comfortable cross-country airplane right now, but I've heard you lately waxing rhapsodic about the possibility of getting a smaller airplane. I have. What, what's your thinking? Um, I, I, my first thought is the timing's not quite right yet. Um, but my, my other thinking is I don't fly the airplane that much anymore. I certainly don't fly it across the country and, and you know, week-long, two-week-long trips to make various stops at various locations just don't do it like that. It's, it's very well equipped for that. It's very well suited for that. Um, so my needs have changed. My mission has changed. And um, something that is shorter range, slower, uh, more maneuverable, 
uh, more economical, especially given the price of aviation fuel these days. Uh, but it's a little bit more fun to fly uh, around the local area. It would be more up my alley. Um, I have access to a Champ. I have access to a Skyhawk if I wanted it. Um, I like to be self-sufficient, though. And um, uh, how I will resolve this dilemma will be a topic that we'll continue to evaluate over mm -hmm. the next few episodes. Tune in again next month yeah. right. for the okay. continuing saga. I'm not going to come out and embarrass you with the microphone, but I want, if you've got a question for us, wave your hand. And I'm just going to ask you to stand up and say it, and I'll repeat it if we can't hear. So stand up. Tell us your name and where you're from. Mike from Minnesota. A Blanca Viking. You're looking for this for the purpose of buying it? Yep. Anybody here own a Blanca Viking? Any chance? David, would you fly a Blanca Viking? We looked at Blanca Vikings. Yeah? Uh, What'd you think? A number of years ago. Uh, very well built airplane. Uh, fair, fair, fairly speedy, fairly economical. Uh, the wing gave us a little hesitation uh the why there would okay uh and wichita may have started with woodworkers and seamstresses building airplanes but now metal work is the predominant uh, uh material and the only woodworkers i could come up with would said well yeah we can make great shelves out of these and we wound up shopping. We actually wound up focusing on Comanches, uh, largely because they were they were good values. There were a lot of them available. You could pick between 180, 250, and 260 horse. Fairly roomy and uh, good good handling airplane. Uh, 180 is almost as fuel right. efficient as, as Jimmy's old E model Mooney. Yeah, Mike. Um, two thoughts for you. First of all, I'm sure the Belanca Type Club has a presence here on the site. I don't know where it is, but basically all the Type Clubs have a presence here. On yeah, the, where on are they these days? Does anybody know that there's a, there's a tent that contains all... I think it's down on the front lines yeah. near the vintage red barn. Yeah. Um, and there's a tent or maybe even a hangar now that contains tables with all of these Type Clubs or yeah. many um, of these the Type other, Clubs. The other thing is one of the... Well, that Type Club, I should say, the Belanca Type Club, uh, one of their people... Uh, is a volunteer here at each year at AirVenture in the emergency aircraft repair shop. Talk to me after this episode, and, and uh, I'll, I'll share his name with you and yeah. uh, um, uh, I'll give you a pointer as to how to find him. James. I just note that uh, I don't know if you've seen the L-39 heavy metal jet team flying around here. Uh, kind of the, the it's led by uh, Kirby, but the person who put it together is Dale Snodgrass. Maybe you've heard of him. He was the highest time F-14 pilot in the Navy, uh, been in many other. He's in all the heritage flights, does, has flown just about everything. And when he was preparing to transition from his military flying, and his goal was to become a civilian airshow pilot and get involved, and all he knew pretty much was all this heavy metal, the first plane he went out and bought was a Belanca Viking. So I had said to me, boy, if, if this gentleman who has access to the heaviest duty airplanes and really is used to that, if he'll step into that, that says quite a bit about the aircraft. They're good airplanes, but you, you do well to make sure that you're going to find a mechanic that 
it can be up to speed on them because they they have some unusual systems. The airframe is, I'm sure you know, the the tubular steel frame, it's all covered up. Uh, The wing is strong as can be, but it needs special attention that a metal wing doesn't. So the mechanic is kind of, was kind of my key. I couldn't find anybody at home that was comfortable with them. And we've got a couple of them around. Um, anybody? Another question? Come on. Okay. Yeah. You know what? And before I'm going to tell you the truth, I lied. I'm going to come back and put the microphone in your face. No, no. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. It's okay. It's okay. Tell us your name and where you're from. Uh, Ken from Cleveland. Uh, I'm in that same dilemma about uh, maybe a home built, maybe a used, maybe an ultra or uh, uh, light sport. But I wasn't crazy about light sport. But I was curious to see the other day that the Piper booth was empty, the Cessna booth was empty, the Cirrus booth was empty, and there was a huge crowd in this icon. Their, water, their, their staffs are water-soluble. Yeah. There always is a huge crowd I'm over there. curious about the, what your feelings are on that. Is this a pipe dream? Uh, what, what, what do you, what, what's everybody's thoughts on, on this icon? Let, let me come back to that one second. Why did you not, why did you dismiss the LSA? A lot of people are loving that category. It's not that I dismiss it. It's, it's again, the limitations. Is that going to be right for me? Is, is that going to give me the kind of transportation that I want? Uh, I'm not dismissing it, and, and as a matter of fact, the icon even opened my eyes a little bit more to it. And I think it's kind of cool because I think when we when we did the light sport, that's exactly what we wanted to see: is new clean sheet design. So it, whether that's whether this is it or not, I don't know. But it's cool to see something completely new in the market. So, icon. I think it's sexy. That's why you see people in there, that's, quite that's, frankly, and they're marketing it that way. That, that's it, basically it. Um, Unlike some of the other aircraft uh, that we might find around here, the Icon has a specific design, specific goal in mind, and a specific market in mind. And uh, it's attractive to a lot of people. So they're going to throng uh, all over that, that, that booth uh, with regular, on a regular basis. I mean, go look at Mercedes marketing. Go look at Audi marketing. Take a look. You know, it ain't a Volkswagen. Icon is designed not to compete with other LSAs. When they set about, they wanted to go after a different market. They weren't looking at like being the cheap alternative to a 172. What they are aiming to be is the machine at the apex of the power sport market. So for people who have not been into airplanes but have said, I need the hottest jet ski out there or I need the hottest motorcycle. That was their goal, to appeal to that person and to draw in a population that were always lamenting, how come there aren't more people in aviation? That's what ICON is focused on and God bless them and I really hope they're successful. Obviously, it's a very challenging market to raise money in. They recently went through another round of financing and they're moving forward. And uh, the key is for them, do you want something to go out and be able to just have fun on? Do you want to do a little traveling, be able to truck it to a lake and do some, some amphib flying and, and land on land somewhere else? So I, I think it's going to be a wonderful machine. And again, uh, all more power to them. I'm really hoping they have tremendous success and do bring more people into well, the marketplace. Something to keep in mind with a lot of the light sport designs is that if you're looking at, say, a used Cherokee or a used Skyhawk, that a lot of these light sports will cruise within five or six knots of that uh, of that same airspeed, uh, and will carry about as much with full fuel. I mean, most of the the, the you know the little Piper, the little Cessna, you're not going to fill the seats, fill the tanks, put anything in a luggage compartment. Uh, 
at least not go very far. And they're uh, going to burn a lot less fuel, and that fuel is going to be cheaper. Right. Yeah, I uh, agree with you. But the, uh, something with a Rotax, with a 100 horsepower Rotax, that'll pull 115 knots on four and a half gallons an hour, carry you and luggage. Uh, that, that's not a bad alternative because you, you and everybody here that's flown this stuff knows those four seaters go around with nothing but two people in them more than 80% of their lives. And you can always rent two more seats if you need it. And, and don't be limited to a Rotax driven. If, if the water jacket and things like that intimidate you, there are air-cooled engines out there, too. Even, even Lycoming's come out with a new engine, a little low. What's that, the 233? And then there's, there's the... Um, the Jabaroos. The Jabaroos are wonderful. I have a Jabaroo in my kit box, and it replaced a Rotax 582 and has done a marvelous job for us since 2000. And if you if you like tailwheel airplanes, for example, gee, there happen to be only about eight thousand three hundred and forty-seven examples of Cub imitations available in this market. Uh, Rands makes something called the S7 Courier LS. I like that airplane. Little tandem tailwheel, about eighty-six thousand ready-built, equipped GPS transponder radio, uh, and then you can certainly get much greater there. Put it yeah. on Amphib floats and it's an icon. I mean, it's, it's right. a little jet ski. I went yeah. out and, and, and flew around with the doors open. It was a blast. There's, yeah. So there, there, there's a lot of options out there, and if you don't mind pulling some rivets, there's a few of them that you can get as ELSAs. Uh, Rands makes one of those. Vans makes one of those. Uh, the RV-12, right. They take you right down the road. You don't have all the flexibility of experimental amateur built, but you do have the savings of using your own Cherry Max puller going ping, ping, ping. And the factory can do a lot more on that ELSA. You don't have the 51% rule. That's right. So it's going to come um, in a nice package, a nice complete package is a good way to put it. Uh, I'm afraid that we are reaching the end of our allotted time here, so uh, we are going to have to wrap this up. I want to thank uh, EAA for giving us the stage. We really appreciate the opportunity to get together with you folks. Uh, this is Amy Lobota. Thank you, Amy. Dave You're Higdon. Well. Jeb Burnside. James Winbrandt. I'm Jack Hodgson. David, oh, and thank you to you guys for coming out. We really, really Yeah, really. That. I mean. David, David, was there something you wanted to say? Well, all of you flew here, got free time on your life, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. That's Have right. fun going home. That's right. That's enough talking. Let's go flying. Bye. Students, pay attention, students. Good morning. I'm your substitute teacher, Mr. Bletch, and these are my rules. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast, students, that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. Now, students, this is very important. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Bueller. Bueller. Bueller.